Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me this morning here on Prison Focus Radio on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. I am your host, Nube Brown, and we are in the month of August. So it is going to be a very rich month, as we know, because we will be focusing on Black August 2021. All right, we are going to get started with an article that was written by Comrade Bobby M. Dixon, and he is in the California Healthcare Facility in Stockton. Um, This is an article that we had intended to get into the August newspaper of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, but um, unforeseen circumstances uh, uh, made that not happen, and so I decided that I'm going to read it here on Prison Focus Radio instead. So we'll have an audio version of this, and then we will get it to you transcribed onto the website. So this is Black August 2021 Matters by Comrade Bobby M. Dixon, Minister of Justice of the New African Black Panther Party Prison Chapter All right. If you dare to struggle, you dare to win. If you dare not struggle, then damn it, you don't deserve to win. Youth of the day. Again, this is by comrade Bobby Dixon. From behind the enemy lines of the California state prison system, from within the belly of the beast, that is the American injustice system, I greet you all and call your attention to the annual commemoration of Black August. I invite my fellow prisoners and their families throughout America to join in honoring our beloved martyrs with fasting, studying, and sharing Panther love and knowledge in the spirit of our fallen comrades. As we mourn our comrades and the masses brutally murdered by the racist fascist police this Black August, we are encouraged by the dramatic rise in awareness following the recent murders of George Floyd in Minnesota. We send our deepest condolences to the family of Breonna Taylor. And we send our love and to the millions of black people who were once again told today that their lives do not matter. Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia and Breonna Taylor in Kentucky, the documentation that cell phone videos have made public and the outcry by many who have heretofore remained on the sidelines may signal a shift in consciousness that promises change. Real change in the institutionalized racist policies is the only way to truly honor our lost sisters and brothers. We must stand together as one, a united people determined to win our liberation in this century. Black August was born out of prison resistance movements in the 1970s as freedom fighters like George Jackson and the San Quentin Six fought for liberation as many other comrades. In solidarity and in contrast to February's Black History Month, we celebrate August as a more radical black history observation. August is a potent month historically. The first enslaved Africans were brought to America in August. The deaths of W.E.B. Du Bois, the Jackson brothers, and Mike Brown happened in August, as well as the births of Marcus Garvey and Fred Hampton. Nat Turner's slave rebellion, the Underground Railroad, the March on Washington, and Ferguson's rebellions all started in August. Two, in the words of Mumia Abu-Jamal, August is a month of meaning, of repression and radical resistance, of injustice and divine justice, of righteous rebellion, 
of individual and collective efforts to free the slaves and break the chains that bind us. Thus, the concept of Black August grew out of the need to expose to the masses the heroic deeds of those African women and men who recognized and fought against the injustices heaped upon people of color on a daily basis in America. To clear our minds this Black August, I propose that we eat but one meal a day throughout the month and fast completely on August 7th in order or in honor of Jonathan Jackson and on August 21st in honor of George Jackson and again on August 31st in honor of Hassan Shakur, Sean Bell, Oscar Grant, Gus Rudley, Alan Bluford, Trayvon Martin, and the many young people killed by the cops and gang violence and in loving memory of El Haj Malcolm and Ramarley Graham. During this month of fasting, the veterans of the struggle and elders should make a special effort to reach out to teach the youth to like self, love and respect self, so they will know how to respect and love others. We are to teach the youth our history and the lessons of our people's struggle. We should strengthen our commitment to practicing Panther love and throw away old grudges and resentments in order to initiate new friendships. We draw those around us closer and build the bonds of brotherhood, of sisterhood between us. If you know your enemy and you know yourself, then the battle will be won. We must understand the truth and hold our friends close, those who can be trusted. Besides fasting, comrades should work strong in body and their minds, even stronger in spirit. I recommend you read the following books. Race in 21st Century America by Darlene Clark Hine. Power, Politics, and Conflict in Organization by Joseph Carver. The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Revolutionary Notes by Julius Lester. Breaking the Chains of Psychological Slavery by Naeem Akbar. Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy DeGruy. Power to the People Who Want the Power by Bobby M. Dixon. Here is a partial listing of Black August Martyrs. We remember the execution of Troy Davis, September 20th, 2011, in Jackson, Georgia. 18-year-old Michael Brown, August 9th, 2014, by Ferguson, Missouri Police. Ezell Ford, killed by Los Angeles police in his Florence neighborhood, August 13, 2014. Eric Garner, killed in a chokehold by police on Staten Island, New York, July 2014. Omar Abrego, father of two, killed August 2, 2014, by Los Angeles police using batons at a traffic stop. John Crawford III, killed by Dayton, Ohio cops while shopping at Walmart, August 5th, 2014. Renisha McBride, 19, killed November 2nd, 2013, by a white Dearborn, Michigan homeowner when she asked for assistance after a car accident. Panther Lil Bobby Hutton, killed by Oakland, California police, April 6th, 1968, shortly before his 18th birthday. Freddie Carlos Gray Jr., killed by Baltimore police, tased and shot in the back as he attempted to run away at a traffic stop on April 12, 2015. 
Malcolm Latif Shabazz, beaten to death in Mexico City, Mexico, May 9, 2013, by two club waiters over a dispute over entertainment and a bar tab during a tour to demand more rights for Mexican construction workers relocated to the U.S. We also remember many more people of color killed at the hands of police in the USA. The killings continue as I write these words in July of 2020. Sorry, of 2021. Thanks to cell phone videos, many more are being seen. All power to the people with one love and respect. And then Bobby Dixon uh, goes on to give us some uh, black facts in August. So it is titled Black August Matters. We who believe in freedom, black historical and educational black facts. August 1st, Henrietta Lacks, born 1920. Human body cells uniquely reproduce themselves even after her death in 1951 the key to over 10,000 medical patents. Government of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, African Communities League, February 1914. August 2nd, James Baldwin author wrote about problems of being black and surviving in white America, born in 1927 of August. August 3rd, Edward Wilmont Blyden, I believe, scholar, diplomat, and outspoken advocate of Pan-Africanism, born August 3rd, 1832. August 7th, California courthouse shootout involving Jonathan Jackson and Rochelle McGee draws attention to unjust jailing, the Soledad brothers, 1970. Also on August 7th, James Cameron survives lynching attempt in 1930. In 1930, later founds Black Holocaust Museum in Milwaukee. August 8th, Matthew Henson discovered the North Pole, and he was born um, August 8th, 1866. 10th of August, Anna Julia Cooper, educator as well as social and women right, women's rights activist, born in 1858 on August 10th. August 11th, Watts, California, urban rebellion and insurrection against unjust social and economic conditions began 1965, August 11th, 1965. Um, Also on August 11th, uh, James Weldon Johnson, author of Black National Anthem, was born in 1873. August 12th, Black Panther, political prisoner Hugo Pinel, 71, was murdered by prison guards allegedly attempting to escape after serving 50 years behind bars. That was in 2015. August 13th, Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, opened first African-American nursing school, 1881. August 17th, Marcus Garvey organized largest group of black people in U.S. history. He was born in 1887, August 17th. August 20th, first group of 20 Africans brought to Jamestown, Virginia, 1619. On the 21st of August, 
George Jackson, revolutionary thinker and activist, murdered by San Quentin State prison guards in 1971. This is also the same date uh, that Nat Turner's rebellion, one of the largest revolts of Africans in the U.S., occurred in Virginia in 1831 on the 21st of August. The 23rd of August, the National Negro Business League organized in 1900. Racial disturbance involving Buffalo soldiers, Texas, 1917, on the 23rd of August, led to a court-martial martial of 118 black soldiers, of course. Also on the 23rd of August, Dr. Philip uh, Imagual developed formula allowing large members of com- large numbers of computers to communicate at the same time, helped lead to development of the internet. He was born in 1954. That one I didn't know. 26th of August, armed struggle for liberation in Namibia by the Southwest Africa People's Organization, SWAPO, 1966. August 27th, Rally for Jobs, Peace, and Freedom, Washington, D.C., 1983. August 28th, Civil Rights March for Jobs and Freedom in Washington, D.C., 1963. August 29th, Charlie Bird Parker, innovative jazz artist, was born in 1920. All right, we'll take a little break here. Jackson himself. Here we go. The point, uh, I think the principal point behind the uh, prison movement is uh, to prove to the establishment that uh, concentration camp technique, the reversion to uh, the second dimension of uh, fascism, terrorist face, which proved that uh, this terrorism won't work on us, it won't stop our movement, that uh, nothing, actually short of death, it won't stop our movement. It's probably to the point now where the 
the courts are, uh, you know, when they're, they're in a position where they're, where they're not pressured into uh, into uh, giving us some sort of appeasement, and uh, that of course catches the prison personnel, uh, staff, uh, the pigs here up in uh, Cronos. Uh, they have no way at all whatsoever not to protect themselves except through sheer brute open there. You understand what I'm saying? The, the, uh, the comrades here, they feel, the pigs feel the comrades have lost their, uh, their uh, reservation, their hope. They still feel that? <laughs> but they're convinced of it now. I'm talking about the whole state, I'm talking about the other state. Uh, and you've heard about the, the intentions of strike. The intentions of strike and asthma increase away. What do you call it? The hazard effect? Wait, wait. The cases of uh, prison takes up in Cross. They know that the courts are in a move now to appease. They also know that uh, the comrades don't fear the courts any longer. That forces them. Right to revert to uh, terrorism. Uh, not terrorism. Just uh, two days ago, they beat one black almost to death in the hospital. One of the things that, uh, you know, people on outside are wondering is how you can use your case and other cases to, to work as an organizing tool, you know, um, without, you know, uh, without bypassing all means you know, legal means, court means, mass action, and stuff like that. How, how can we outside? Uh, what kind of things can they do to make real changes and that kind of stuff and put checks on them? But uh, it fits right in with the monumental problem, the monumental historical problem, the antithesis of all of you. You know, taking it home. Uh, <clears throat> our opinion is that uh, the reason we haven't been able to uh, move forward is because of, you know, left-wing factions can't, you know, unite. They just haven't been able to unite here in this country or you know, very few other countries. And we've been hoping that on a substructural level, the substructural level of the prison movement, we could uh, possibly provide an example for the rest of the movement. Because the oppression of the, let's say, the need to unite in our particular substructural level is overt and clear. <laughs> We're faced with overt, clear terrorism, oppression. And being that I needed the greatest, we figured that uh, we're, we're hoping, we have been hoping, that uh, we could, in, you know, first do the band, you know, leadership of the band, our party, we could first uh, involve the community, show the community that uh, the difference is uh, that, uh, the National Advertising Council has convinced us that uh, our presence really are losing. We want to convince them that, uh, you know, in the community that uh, the differences are losing. Of course, we run into some snags. The snags uh, being, as far as I'm concerned, being uh, part of the presidentality in general. The things I've noticed, the problems I've noticed, generally center around the fact that uh, people don't quite understand what democratic centralism is. 
Now, our ideal is to protect ourselves into the future, of course, but uh, at the same time, we have to realize that, uh, we have to realize, we have to understand that uh, we're not quite all capable of, uh, well, our opinions are equal, and we have to have some sort of centralism. Uh, our preference, our preference, of course, is democratic centralism, you know. People don't understand that that's a necessity at this stage. But we're working towards the, the point where uh, all opinions will be equal, all men equal. But right now, we have to have uh, the guidance and uh, the purposeful uh, leadership of a, of a Vanguard party. Uh, like Lenin says, uh, Central Committee, you know, General Staff of the People's Party. How do you think, how do you think that kind of Vanguard party uh, can be developed, or do you think that it has been developed? In the Black Panther Party? Okay. Oh, Black Panther, of course. Black Panther Party. Do you think that Black Panther Party is the Vanguard Party for just the black community and the white community? No, no, no. I believe uh, pretty soon, uh, all those questions, uh, as far as I'm concerned, will be cleared up. Uh, the party, the paper is going to run a uh, series of uh, articles where I discuss uh, the nature of fascism and in particular towards the end the form that it took here in the United States. Uh, in one paragraph or two, you'll find a uh, statement that, uh, well, uh, one of my principal beliefs is that um, the fact that we're the most oppressed class, most oppressed segment of, uh, of society, the, the fact that we're at the bottom of the pyramid, uh, we're going to have to take the initiative. Is that background noise? Yeah, no, that's okay. We're going to have to take the initiative. I feel that, uh, I feel that uh, our job is, uh, is to begin the process. Once the process begun, once we provided the it's my hope, or our hope, that uh, the intercommunal ideal will spread from our community to yours, the other community. And it is all that truth and unity which made George Jackson dangerous to the oppressors. And that's the only thing that made him dangerous. To us, he is our beloved. All right, um, I am going to read a piece now, um, a Black August piece from Joka Hashima Jinsai. All right, um, and let me clarify, this is actually a statement by Joka Hashima Jinsai and Abdul Olubala Shakur. Uh, for the Black August Memorial, Black August Resistance. Starts with a quote. No one can be your master unless you consent to being a slave. A wise man. Greetings, sisters and brothers. Amend the 13th and the Autonomous Infrastructure Mission were conceived in the bowels of Corcoran Shoe as the next logical step in our struggle to end, once and for all, the exploitation of human bondage in America, spelled with three Ks, mm. to end legal slavery. Black August Memorial started in the crucible of resistance to the excesses of the prison industrial slave complex in California's concentration camps in 1978. And the sacrifices were born from centuries of resistance. Historically, 
institutions of human bondage, bondage in America have been based on racism, dehumanization, and brutality, and the transition from the chattel slave system to the penal slave system saw no abatement in this trend. Instead, we saw an entire industry spring up around this trinity of hate and human misery. But as with Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Robert Delaney, and so many others before them and since, imprisoned new African revolutionary nationalist guerrillas were disinclined to accept the prescribed role of oppressed man and rebelled against the notion of passively accepting being reduced to mere commodities in America's new prison industrial safe complex. Every assault on the dignity or person of new African prisoners by sadistic guards or racist prisoners was met with a counter-assault, and we developed self-defense to an art form rooted in unity and rejection of the capitalist state's attempt to warp the character structure of new African revolutionary prisoners into the apolitical social degenerates they so deeply wished us to be. No, instead, these attempts to strip us of our humanity only acted as a catalyst for many to rediscover their humanity and conscious new African prisoners exemplified this determination by refusing to subordinate themselves to any force which did not accord them the full dignity of their humanity. This unbowed attitude led to the inescapable realization that the prison was a socially hostile microcosm of society itself and the centuries-long injustices and usurpations that had led so many in a direct line from the holds of the slave ships to the tears of San Quentin, Folsom, Tracy, and Soledad would not end without a victorious revolutionary change in the nature and structure of society itself and the core psychology of the people who made it up a change in your core psychology. Leaning on the science of dialectical materialism, these new African prisoners first turned the burning spear of social change on themselves, confronting their internal contradictions, individually and collectively, which lie at the heart of our oppression. Internal revolution, the political, social, cultural, and ideological transformation of one's core psychology swept the imprisoned new African and California's prison industrial slave complex trembled at the guerrillas that emerged from the midst of the loosely defined black unity. Structured and organized, the socioeconomic and political analysis and solutions of imprisoned new Africans in California became the most advanced in the nation, and their thought cast the shadow of the guerrilla and the dragon across the face of American fascism both inside and out. As the tide of revolution rose across the nation, fueled by the reverberations of the prison movement, the state did not did what it has done since we were brought to these shores in 1619, revealed its underlying basis, violence. Unable to contain or cow the new African, they resorted to what had served them for centuries, murder, terror, and naked brutality. Even as we resisted, the reactionary violence of the state martyred some of the best of humanity. W.L. Nolan, Alvin Big Jug Miller, Cleveland Edwards, Jonathan Jackson, James McLean, William Christmas, George L. Jackson, Jeffrey Katari Golden, and so many others were murdered by the state. But unlike generations past, for every freedom fighter martyred, 
be it by medical neglect or outright assassination, he or she was avenged by the sting of new African counterviolence. The spirit of Black August resistance, rooted in justice and principled self-defense, ensured if the champions of humanity were cut down by fascist hate, then there would be funerals on both sides. No more living on our knees. Even though in the bowels of the modern-day slave state, the new African revolutionary prisoner determined they would see an end to the oppression of man and woman by man and woman by shining the light of freedom, justice, equality, and human rights upon all. The state was just as determined to see that light extinguished. And seeing the political thought and activities of Narn, prisoners and former prisoners, laying siege to the prestige of their power and not even murdering us could diminish our determination. The state opted for a more sinister form of containment, indefinite solitary confinement in domestic torture units known as security housing units or shoes. Declaring the purpose of these new supermax prisons to control revolutionary attitudes in the prison system and society at large, the torchbearers of Qatari, W.L. Nolan, and George L. Jackson were rounded up and cast en masse into the perdition of indefinite solitary confinement. There, subject to the full scope of California's domestic torture program, from sensory deprivation to shenarian operant conditioning, the state believed they could strangle the life from our righteous determination, but instead, again, only fueling its growth and development. While confined to torture units at Pelican Bay and Corcoran Shoes, these torchbearers of Qatari turned their cells into Narn, collective think tanks, spawning such ideas and concepts as the Autonomous Infrastructure Mission, George Jackson University, the Institute of New African Criminology 101, the W.L. Nolan Mentorship Program, Operation Hip Hop Rescue, the Insurrectionist Art Collective, the Free Speech Society, the Concrete and Steel Center for Excellence, and yes, the Amend the 13th Abolished Legal Slavery in America movement. All our work product, every attempt to serve our communities was deemed by the state to be criminal gang activity or a threat to the safety and security of the institution, subject to confiscation, censorship, and suppression. Those responsible for or contributing to such community service were penalized and punished for their very ideas, but we continued undeterred. 10, 20, 30, 40, and in some cases, 50 years passed with us languishing in the tombs of these torture units and still the truly principled stood firm. Finally, building a coalition of common cause that exposed the reality of this horror to an oblivious public in the single largest hunger strike in U.S. history, we were able to abolish California's domestic torture program as we know it. Our resistance proved in social practice what we've been saying for decades. Where unity and social cooperation are strong, oppression and state power are weakened. In the spirit of Qatari, we emerged from these torture units unbowed, unbroken, unconquered, and undeterred. 
the correctness of our ideas have found new resonance with the people. And despite relentless repression by the state, the institutions and initiatives we've developed in the people's behalf are taking root in their communities and consciousness. Our continued commitment and contributions to ending the oppression of man and woman by man and woman are a testament to the effectiveness of Black August resistance as a central tenet of modern-day struggle and Black August Memorial as the central vehicle of its perpetuation. As we celebrate Black August Memorial, Black August resistance, let us do so with the understanding that practice is the one criterion of truth, that these brothers and sisters who sacrificed their lives to stand up for what is right rather than survive on their knees showed us that the only rights we have are those we can enforce, that our focus should never be the fact of oppression, but how we respond to that oppression, which is of import. That resistance is the rationale, rational response to injustice. And when we respond together, no force on earth can oppose us. Every heart and hand raised against oppression and injustice does so with the spirit of Jeffrey Katari Golden moving within them. Long live the spirit of Jeffrey Katari Golden and all power to the people who don't fear freedom until we win or don't lose. Joka Hashima Jinsai and Abdul Olubala Shakur. hear a piece now from our Queen Makini on Black August New Africans. Die in the pelvis. Naturally he survived. Um, and then, I mean, so that was like the beginning of, of the momentum, but it was just ongoing things, just different occurrences and things of that magnitude. So this is nothing new. I mean, they are still murdering us, treating us, um, like animals, like they don't deserve anything. And so, you know, that's why Black August is so important um, to give honor and play homage to the brothers that are no longer here, the brothers as well as the sisters. Um, you know, there was a lot of sisters that um, made sure that the brothers had everything that they needed, whether it was a visit, whether it was stamps, whether it was commissary, whether it was money. Um, and there are still those of us that are out there, and, and we just want to play homage to those sisters, Ayana. Um, there were just so many people, Sister Adama, that we lost um, several years ago. But, I mean, she made the ultimate sacrifice, just giving of herself, and we just don't hear enough about that. But um, what's really important now is, um, you know, I get real passionate, as Bomani will tell you, about the historical narrative of Black August, and it's important because a lot of those brothers that did the first BA are still on the planet. Some of them are still behind the wall. Some of them are still suffering. Some of them are, they're aging. So we're talking 66, 72 and older, and they're not broken. 
they're not broken, but they are damaged. I mean, anytime you've been in a cage for as long as these brothers have been in a cage, um, it, it, I mean, it, it, it takes its toll on you. So they have statistics <clears throat> that indicate that after 72 hours of solitary confinement, it, your mind starts playing tricks on you. Um, you can tell different people um, where they've adopted different mechanisms to retain what they know. But it's still, you know, being in prison anyway, you know, your life, what's real for you stops because your reality changes. And so imagine that being treated where you're in a cell days on, months on, weeks on, no sunlight, um, no touch. I mean, touch is so very important. Um, not a kind word. Um, and, 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 you know, I've heard brothers say, you know, they felt forgotten. Um, and, you know, you figure you do 40 years in there. If you go when you're 20-something, if your family has just lost touch, it doesn't mean that we don't care. So when I go to meetings in different organizations, you don't see a whole lot of black families because our dynamics are set up very differently. So you might see one or two sisters, maybe one or two brothers, but that in no way equates that the brothers' families don't care. Brothers do time differently. Some brothers don't extend out to their families and tell them they've been in the hole or whatever. Some brothers write, like, I'm good, I don't want, I don't want you to worry about them. But, you know, unless you were involved and are visiting and are reading and are involved to that aspect, a lot of the, the suffering and, and the abuse and the neglect that these brothers and sisters have had to endure goes un... Nobody knows. Nobody hears about it. So, But it's not that the, the people don't care. But, like, when one of the brothers was saying, like, one phone call, you got to make three phone I mean, you know, the hunger strike was phenomenal. So this was the 10th anniversary of the hunger strike that released um, them from... Shoot, but it took us 30 years to get to that point. So they took our visits in 1985. They um, moved us from... St. Quentin and Folsom to Tehachapi, and then they moved us to Pelican Bay and Corcoran, where, I mean, I, there's a brother in my neighborhood who, who did 40 years. He was part of the gladiator fights. And to hear him recount that, like, the, the, the guard is telling him, like, don't step past this line. If you step past this line, I'm going to write you up. But once the, whoever they was going to do it with, once they came past the line, it was do whatever. I mean, they betted on them. They made money off of them. I mean... Just to hear this kind of stuff um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, that they were fortunate enough to, 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 to survive that. Um, my husband did 32 years. Um, a lot of that he did alone, and, and the effects of it are just are monumental. Um, his analytical, uh, his concentration, his sleep patterns, um, it's, it's, it's just profound. And what people need to understand is this is not by happenstance. You know, they didn't commit an offense that um, resulted in them being locked up. You know, they thought, they locked them up for what they thought they could potentially do. And like the brother said earlier, like, they are even getting penalized. They're, they don't want to be classified, as, they don't want them to be classified as political prisoners, but if they are, then that's a penalty. Um, it is just a... a Indication of just just continuous just deprivation and neglect. Um, the brother talked about the, um, the fentanyl, and what people need to realize is <clears throat> there are people on the street and people inside getting it. In my opinion, and I don't know this to be fact, but I'm thinking that the guards are bringing in the fentanyl. We're, I mean, you know, but you know, 
what what's happening on the streets is, you know, a lot of these kids are snorting what they think is cocaine, but it's laced with fentanyl. You can't tell the difference until you you you're dying, until you're killing yourself. It's unfortunate, but the reality that they're facing. So with these ridiculous sentences, you know, young men, 19, 20 years old, are getting 150 years. Um, who can face that sober? You know, um, and so. You know, just the, the, the whole family dynamics of everything. I mean, you know, like, when people get cases, it impacts the families and loved ones as well. But if we don't have a, a component to address that, to heal, before it gets to that point, um, you know, it just it just further just continues the, the cycle of just them doing their time, the family being hurt. And if we don't get to a point to where... You know, you tell your family, whatever the case is, I did commit the crime, I didn't commit the crime, I'm sorry, I haven't been there. Um, it just continues just the, the, the destruction and, and the, for the brothers, the lack of not uh, self-esteem, because you know, they feel like that they have let people down. One of my brothers lost his mom a couple of years ago, and you could just tell um, he was hurting because he had he been there his voice would have been heard. Had he been there, his input would have been taken. But I know a lot of times when you call on the phone and somebody's telling you this is going on at home or whatever, they kind of discount it because you're not here. There's that resentment because they're not there. So they're having to deal with all of that. They're having to deal with trying to stay humane in an in a, in a, in a, in a environment that is immersed in violence. You know, so... One of the things that we're facing now is trying to go to the parole board, and, and California is like, they want to see humanity, they want to see remorse, they want to see other. How do you treat somebody for 30 years like they're the worst of the worst, treat them like dogs, demean them, beat them, humiliate them, but then you expect them to come out and be well-adjusted and sit here and have a conversation with you like it's just a beautiful day and that you're not damaged? How, how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? That you're not pissed off. Whether you're innocent or guilty, that you're not pissed off. The law sentences you to whatever the term is. And that's really where it stops. You lose your freedom. You lose your right to be able to come and go as you want. But what these prisons do, these extra penalties that they put on you, is extra. And so the damage is done, you know, you know, brothers working for eight cents, ten cents. Um, who would do that? Who would do that? And, I mean, and, 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 and the money that they're making, you know, the organizations, um, LensCrafter, Walmart, Verizon, I mean, you know, we talk about capitalism. They are profiting. So it is slavery. You know, we're not just putting it up. You know, we're not just trying to be victims. It is slavery. They are making all of this money. And yet they're, you know, what, what are they getting from it? There's no benefit from it. At eight cents a day, 20 cents a day, I mean, Eight cents an hour, I guess. But it's just, you know, if, and, and the thing is, if people don't realize, if they tell you, you know, Bomani, I need you to report to the kitchen. If you don't go to work, if you refuse to go to work, it, um, the consequences are write-ups, loss of privileges, all of these things. It is just such a mental and horrendous thing that they do to us, and we just have to really just kind of pay attention. I just want to branch off a little bit. You know, I talk to people about the school to prison pipeline. And they may not have children in prison. They might not have a loved one in prison. But what we need to know is this, like, they're building these prisons for our babies. And so when they start seeing your children have learning disabilities, behavioral problems, things of that magnitude, they're already 
sending them on the road to prison. And so that's why we, you know, we, go, we have to get involved. We have to go to these city council meetings and, 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 and pay attention and ask questions because they are, they are consistently plotting against us. You know, as a black man in America, you are an endangered species. And this is what I know for sure. White America realizes our potential. They know what we could do if we just stood up and acknowledged our greatness. I mean, they make it so very difficult to do that. But we just have to be steadfast and rise above it. But, you know, for Black August, I mean, it is so important that we study our history. I mean, that's Black August. It, 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 this is ours. We don't want it to be co-opted by any white people, any of these other organizations. Um, and, 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 and that's just the reality of it. Um, because we died as a result of this. I mean, our brothers and sisters languished, they suffered, they were assassinated, and they are still doing it. So Black August is a time for us to give thanks for their lives. Um, had Comrade George and Katari not had the vision um, for, for the redeemed man, for the new, new African, I don't know that we would have survived the 30 years in, 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 in the whole issue in solitary confinement. Um, to get that mental awareness and to know strategically what was going on, I mean, that was a formation, a foundation that I don't, again, I don't know how people could have survived. I mean, just, it was horrendous, and I lived through it, and I still don't believe that, you know, we, um, just we had to endure so much for, for something that we did not do. So, you know, we are going to continue to study, we're going to continue to fast, we're going to continue to spread the word, we're going to continue to support our brothers and sisters throughout the nation, throughout the nation. It's not just California, throughout the nation. So, I mean, like, this brother is in Georgia. I mean, we got brothers and sisters all across the nation, and we have to unite. We have to unite. I mean, we have to work on stopping, breaking the cycle. You know, breaking the cycle for this violence, for these gang killings, where we have to value our, our, our brothers right here on the street. Like the brother said, you know, he got to go pick up his son, because not because of fear of the police, but because of fear of another. But there's a disconnect, there's something wrong, that we can't just love each other and look past that. Um, and I think that they have just, I'm not blaming nobody, but it is what it is. I mean, but, you know, the, the video games, the music, it's all the stuff that's just detracting us from what we know to be true. The other thing is this, like, in segregation, you know, we were successful. You know, we had our own businesses, we had our own money, we had our own banks, everything. It wasn't until we started emulating, trying to emulate them, that they, you know, started trying to destroy us. And so, you know, as a new African, as we try and get back to that, we can do that. You know, the thing is, there's a disconnect for us, and it's like, okay, if I'm successful, I want to bring you with me. But that needs to be the overall concept of it. You know, not like, you know, I, you know, because what I see happening now is, I'm winning, but I'm not going to share with you because this is all me. we got to really embrace each other. We really do. We've gone through too much. Um, and, I mean, the fact that we endured slavery, you know, is, is monumental, but it has not stopped. And, I mean, we endured this too, but at what cost? At what cost? I mean, we got brothers in, in prison that are 72 years old. You know, my husband is 64. Um, and I just hope that he can get out while we can still at least, I told him, I said, we might have to date in a wheelchair. Because it's just, it's just crazy. So, 
you know, I thank you guys for having me. You know, can't stop, won't stop. We'll see what goes through. All right, in the spirit of our continuing education uh, through Black August, we are going to hear a statement, or I'm going to read a statement from Joka Hashima Jinsai on the historic California hunger strikes. Dare to struggle, dare to win. A statement in the historic California hunger strikes from Joka Hashima Jinsai. In 2011, we, California prisoners, embarked on an historic struggle to abolish shoe torture units in the state of California and the nation. At its height was the single largest hunger strike in U.S. history. For decades, CDC Small R presided over one of the largest domestic torture programs in U.S. corrections at Pelican Bay and Corcoran Shoes. Relying on the false narrative of the worst of the worst, CDC Small R officials claimed their gang validation and indeterminate shoe torture policy was, quote, intended to protect inmates we are charged with confining and staff. This is a quote from the former CDCR Secretary Scott Keenan. Yet anyone who's on this side of the cell door knows that was just a flat-out lie. The CDC small-hour gang validation and indeterminate shoe policy was intended to maintain their control of prison budgets, silence prisoner critics, and political dissent, preclude prisoner unity, export the snitch culture to our communities, and continue to scapegoat indeterminate shoe prisoners as the origin of crime, many of which have not had a single instance of documented misconduct in decades as a basis for the extorting billions of taxpayer dollars through over-exaggerating the threat posed by indeterminate shoe prisoners. To be sure, Former Marion Supermax Warden Ralph Aaron asserted the purpose of control units like shoes was, quote, to control revolutionary attitudes in the prison system and society at large, unquote. CDC Small R's decades-long practice of targeting imprisoned new African revolutionary nationalists, also known as NARN, for indeterminate shoe placement, lumping new African revolutionary scientific socialists in with the rest of the STG Security Threat Group Gang Matrix confirms this motive force. Not only is political speech and expression supposed to be protected by the supreme law of the land, i.e. the U.S. Constitution, but by the CCR Title 15 as well. However, CDC Small R considers social criticism, speaking or writings of the merits of revolutionary scientific socialism, the history of political resistance to racism and socioeconomic inequality in America, or of the validity of the political and social views of Frantz Fanon, David E. Walker, and George L. Jackson to be, quote, criminal gang activity, unquote, worthy of eternal perdition. 23 and a half hours a day in a concrete box until you, quote, parole, debrief, or die. However, in spite of these decades of legalized hate, repression, and horror, we came together and with one voice said, no more. The historic agreement to end hostilities was originally drafted by Abdul Oligbala Shakur, later modified by the Pelican Bay D Short Corridor Collective, and ratified by prisoners from all racial groups to forge a foundation for social cooperation. 
Taking up the hunger strike as our primary tool of resistance, we embarked on a course that put all our lives on the line, many of us having suffered permanent damage due to the frequency and duration of the hunger strikes. But we prevailed in that battle and the war to end the oppression of man and woman by man and woman rages on. If the hunger strikes taught us anything, it is that the power to transform an intransigent industrial interest such as CDC small r must come from the will of the people, from the exercising the limitless power of our unity. The struggle is far from over. It's protracted in nature and structure. If we are to have lasting change, we must change society itself, how we think and relate to one another and the productive system itself. Who dares to take up this challenge? Who dares to take this struggle to its next evolutionary stage? Our communities. Who dares to champion the poor, the most disenfranchised and oppressed communities, the ghettos, barrios, and hoods of America? Who dares to champion the most vulnerable in our society? Who dares to seek the abolition of the need for prisons? Who dares to do the right thing when the state declared it wrong? Who dares to struggle? Who dares to win? We do, and we hope you do too. The power to literally change the world is in our hands. Let's be about the business of using it. The hunger strikes was a model example of our success. Look to it until we win or don't lose. Joka Heshima Jinsai. All right, beautiful people, that is our show for the week. Please don't forget to go to www.prisons.org, the California Prison Focus website, and make a donation there and continue to educate yourself, as well as San Francisco Bayview's National Black Newspaper, sfbayview.com. Both of these publications not only support the voices of black and brown people, but the voices behind the walls as well, unapologetically and uh, without being watered down. So please continue your education, stay with us through Black August and forward, and um, make those donations where you can. Thank you so much. Um, We will see you next week. And after the song, get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer. Ang aming kaltura, wala ka sa aming gamura Kami sa labingan mo